Please pronounce your name correctly for me. My name is Anastasia Arteva and Anastasia Cole as well. As I made the transition from my modeling work into my photography work, I felt the need to separate my identity and like sort of leave my modeling identity behind and move on with a different name. But then both of the names sort of got intertwined because yeah, I'm still I'm still a model sometimes. So I'm both Arteva and Cole. <laughs> Depending on when people first found you, I guess. I guess so, yeah. One of the first things I always wonder about creative people is basically how did they get made? So um, your parents, were they creative? Did you have a creative teacher, some early childhood experiences that sort of led you down the creative path? Not at all, actually. I do not have any creatives in my family Nobody was into arts. Nobody was into... I. The only thing that I remember from my childhood is a collection of art books that my grandpa, grandfather had in his library that he bought when he was younger. I was just so fascinated by them. And maybe because there were no internet and no other distractions, those art books were something so beautiful to me and like... I remember entertaining myself when I was like nine or 10 years old, just looking through them and trying to memorize the names of the paintings and the artists that I saw there. And I didn't know why I was so driven. Like my brother was never really, didn't find those books fascinating, but I just loved the feel and the smell of those books. They were so big and the paintings there were just so amazing. And I was dreaming of going to all those museums and I guess like that was my first interaction with with the art world and I actually brought this up with my artist friend recently because he asked me the same question why why did you become inclined like what happened you grew up with like a bunch of other people who had the same experiences who shared like the same childhood and they grew up not having this this kind of inclination why are you like that and that was like such a great question because all of a sudden i felt like well maybe i was made that way maybe like that was my actual purpose you know so how did you first start getting into modeling and did it start with like fashion and then sort of make its way into doing like nudes and arts or did you start from that from the beginning? Yeah, it was just a coincidence. I I never thought of it. And then when I went to, I was coming back from my university, I was going back home and I just uh, stopped at a shop to buy something. And I will, while I was doing that, it started pouring rain and so on the way out, I was just like standing under the awning. Just to, yeah, just to like cover from the rain. And there was another guy that was standing there and uh, he took a few pictures of me while I was looking away. So I didn't notice him at first. And then I saw that he was taking photos of me. And so we started a conversation and he appeared to be a photographer and he had a studio and he 
asked if I would want to do a photo shoot. At first I was mm, doubting. I, I was, I kind of got suspicious, but then something inside of me, it was just, I got so curious. I really was fascinated by the idea uh, of working with a professional photographer in a studio. And so I decided to go for it. And I was 18 years old. And at first, our first photo shoot was not nude. It was just sort of like portrait, portrait work. But it just sparked my curiosity even more because that was the first time that I saw professional camera and professional lighting and just like the whole setup of a professional photo shoot. It was almost like theater. And I felt myself like actress, yeah, like a, on a stage. I just loved the feeling so much. And I got so curious to try even more ideas to like come up with like different, I don't know, outfits and what else we could try. And uh, on the second photo shoot, we already did like implied nudes. And it was like, I don't even think it was his idea. <laughs> I think it was mine. I don't remember. Maybe it was like mutual, but I was so for it. And to me, nudity and like shooting shooting nudes was a great way to explore my own sensuality just like how my body looks and it was more of like a almost therapy to me a an exploration of a of a young girl <laughs> just the way how i could see myself you know through the through the camera and it's it, it's changed the changes the perspective perspective on your own body and sensuality and sexuality to me it was very fascinating already then i realized that my body is like a, is is like a tool it's an expressive tool that i can use to convey emotions and to bring up emotions in other people who see the work that we do yeah i i was so fascinated by it that I started looking for other people to collaborate with and to me at first modeling was only driven by my own passion I was not even making money I was just fascinated by this world and I wanted to meet more people more creatives and I was curious how other photographers would see me and what other styles I could work with, I could try what other roles I could try to put on and what new emotions I could try to convey. So I was just hungrily looking for collaborators. Well, and then did you move on to being a traveling model at one point as well? Yeah, that happened later. But when I met my first photographer, I was still living in Ukraine. And Ukraine is not a great place to make money as a model well maybe now things have changed but back then there was not a lot of photographers who paid models unless you did like erotic work maybe but to me i was never really into erotic work to me it was always like art <laughs> only art as i said i was driven mostly by my own passion for just creative yeah artistic work and I met a couple of really great photographers that I collaborated 
just because we both loved it. By the time where when I moved to the US, I already had like a really solid portfolio. I came to the US for a modeling gig. And when I when I got there, I realized that there are actually so many people who already seen my work and already want to collaborate with me. And I, I realized that there is like a whole niche and a lot of models do it and they just travel all over the country to work with different people. And this is something that I could do too. So I uh, happily jumped on that opportunity. <laughs> In your experiences, do you have a preference working with male photographers versus female photographers? It's difficult to say, but I have to admit that from my personal experience, I think female photographers have different sensibility, I think. And I can tell just by looking at work of a photographer if he's a male or female and I personally tend to like female photographers work more but obviously it's not like it's more of like a statistics there are amazing uh, male photographers as well but there is something about female sensibility that is just so different and it's very, it's always about like sensuality and like very, I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely about sensuality when male gaze often has like more of like a sexual and look uh, at, a, at a woman. It's absolutely true. I'm a photographer and the more I've made and the more I've seen over my life, I totally can see the difference of the intention of the photographer the mm -hmm. difference between a male and a female and the the strength of that male gaze it's yeah. very evident mm -hmm. you'd mentioned that you had gone to the united states for a while so you were doing traveling did you ever notice a difference between the sort of the styles or the ways of working or anything like this between regions and between countries i i was not traveling as a model around europe all of my traveling modeling experience was mostly in the US. So I don't think I, I can compare. So just to clarify, for a while you were a traveling model doing work with uh, artists. And also, of course, I want to know if you're working with other people other than just photographers. So like, did you ever work with painters or sculptors or anything like this? Yeah, I worked with a decent amount of painters mostly photographers. Photographers usually paid higher rates than painters, but I always loved painters. And I have worked with some really exceptional artists who it's just like, I'm so proud <laughs> and I'm so flattered that I was able to collaborate with them. But with it now within that, the question that I always wonder about is, is basically, did, were you able to make a living being primarily a traveling art model? Yeah, as a, as a young girl from Ukraine, I was able to make a pretty decent, decent living, of course, com comparing to what, but I was in my early 20s and I ended up living in New York and working with all kinds of creative people 
and basically living my dream. I was traveling full time all over the country, going to the most beautiful places, working, like posing at national parks and just road tripping back and forth. And like, it was just amazing. It was like one of a kind opportunity. And I'm so lucky that I had all those experiences. How long were you in the United States? Almost five years. And by the time I moved back to Europe, I was kind of getting tired of this sort of like gypsy lifestyle because traveling modeling is uh, <laughs> is very much like gypsy a little bit. So like one night you sleep in a five-star hotel and because that's where your shooting location is. And then next day you sleep in like a cheap motel somewhere in the middle of nowhere or in a car. <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny lifestyle. But I loved it for a while. Like in my early 20s, as I said, it was like everything I could dream of. It was perfect. And I met so many amazing people. I made, made amazing friends and just like those all those memories. But yeah, like as I grew older, I wanted to settle somewhere. I got tired of like living out of my suitcase. I was like dreaming of having a bookshelf where I could keep my books that I could buy because I could not buy books. There was like no point to like carry them around everywhere. So I could not afford to buy books. And I was like, remember dreaming of having a bookshelf somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah. That's the little things in life, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, when you did, when you were doing all this work, both in Europe and in the United States, did you do both independent, uh, individual work with uh, artists as well as workshops? Yeah, I was working at, at some workshops as well. I was, you know, picking up gigs that I could. Whenever I visited a place, I would like book all the work that I could get with private shoots and with workshops. Back then it was mostly usually like half a day shoot at a studio and uh, photographers would just share the time. Back oh, also I did some like longer longer events at Lake Powell for example when we spent like a whole week with a bunch of photographers and other models and we would use a boat to move around the lake and scout for incredible locations. And that was like really experience of a lifetime. It was just so beautiful there. Well, and that sort of leads on to that you, I believe you currently coordinate photo tours. Yeah, I throw a few events a year in different locations, but it's just like more elaborate <laughs> and more thought through because I basically scout a beautiful villa that would accommodate all the photographers and models that would also be like a beautiful location to shoot at. And then I hire local chef who would cook beautiful meals every day. And then I uh, hire a driver to bring photographers and models to different locations around be it natural locations or maybe like a beautiful old towns or the different kinds. And so I had uh, several very successful events in Sicily and in Morocco. And uh, I actually was supposed to have another one in Morocco right about when the 
global shutdown happened. So I had to cancel that one, which is unfortunate, but I hope we can uh, go back to it when everything is back to normal, if everything is back to normal. <laughs> and then I'm also working on a few other locations. And uh, this is this is a very beautiful thing that I started because not only it gives opportunity for photographers to create an extremely beautiful environment with like really professional models. It also sort of gives them a taste of like a local culture and gives them a chance to, yeah, just like feel the place, like a place that they've never been to. I'm interested in the nuts and bolts of the business side of that though, because I'm a photographer and I've often thought about running workshops. However, I haven't done it because personally I feel like the logistics of coordinating all of those different things and mm -hmm. marketing it and mm -hmm. coordinating the payments of it and the, the all this and keeping all the clients happy i feel like f it feels like a full-time job yeah it is and it's a lot of responsibility usually every time that you know when the when the next workshop is approaching I don't sleep at night because I just feel this pressure and this responsibility. Like people have their flights booked and they're coming from like all over the world, like all across the ocean. They're, they're flying because of me and I have to deliver. And if something goes wrong, if something happens, if the weather is going to be shitty, like what do we do? And I just, it's so, so stressful, <laughs> but so far everything's been great. Uh, it's just like this one, the last one that I had to cancel. And unfortunately I lost some money because I already had reservations, I already booked flights for models and I was not able to uh, get the money back for those tickets. So it's always uh, risky, but you know, it's still beautiful. Like I love it. I would love to throw more in the future. I would love to do them as well. I mean, they sound, I see these things all over the world offered and all this. And I mean, the prices are not astronomical but they're more than i'm probably willing to pay for these kinds of things so mm -hmm. yeah i didn't look at your prices so i make no judgment on those <laughs> but the, so how do, when you're when you're planning to coordinate something like that how do you come up with so i'm assuming you probably already have personal connections with the locations but then how do you choose the the sort of the environment, the the situation, so the models, the wardrobe, these kinds of things. Like, how do you come up with those kinds of plans? <laughs> You're assuming that I have like my personal connections with the location, but the first event that I ever thrown was in Sicily, and it was it was people that I found online, and I thought that that could be a good location, but I have to go and check. And back then. I did it with my ex-boyfriend. He just helped me to go and check it out. And we both did not have driver's license at that time. So we just arrived to Sicily and we booked like a transfer to come to this villa. And we met the people and we're like, okay, this could be it. It all looks great but we have to find other locations. And <laughs> it was so funny because we just took two bikes and we were biking all over for the whole day. We got burned so much because under the Sicilian sun, but we found incredible locations. And those were the locations that we were using for all of the events that we threw in that 
in Sicily. And, <laughs> but it was funny because it was two kids on bikes that just decided that we should do it. And like, it's going to be great. We, we can do it. <laughs> we can find the best locations. We can buy, find the best ch chef. We can do it all. But we were like so self-assured. And maybe that's why it actually worked out because people were blown away. I think when I when we did the first Sicilian workshop, there were not many workshops like that on the market. It's like now they're starting to pop up everywhere and like so there are so many locations. But back then it was sort of like one of a kind thing. And when you're saying back then, when, when is this? Uh, it was like four years ago, I think. Can't remember exactly. I think it was four years ago. That's not that long ago. Not that long ago, but I did not see many events of that type happening. And I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. But like now they're all over the place. Like now so many people are trying to run them. And Oh, yeah. Iceland and all kinds of places like this are constantly running these kinds of tours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how did you market it? So like, how did you find people to participate in it? Well, because I worked as a freelance model back in the U.S. for five years, I already had a bunch of connections. And I guess people trusted me. <laughs> I don't know. But like most of the guys who came for the first Sicilian event were people that I already knew. Like it was people that I already worked in the States and... Many of them, I actually, I told about the event firsthand. So I met them in the U.S. for a shoot or something, and I told them that I'm doing this thing, <laughs> you should come. And they're like, okay, I'm on board. <laughs> but that was the first one. And then for the second the event, I think all the people that came, they were all new. Like, I, I've never met them before. One thing when I'm seeing them, because I get emails and announcements about these things quite frequently since I'm out in the world as a photographer, that um, I often wonder, how do, do people choose the models for them? Is it just who's available or is there some thought behind it to try and cre create diversity of shapes and body types and all this kind of so skin tones, etc.? Mm -hmm. For my first events, I thought that I only should invite models that I worked with and that I know are good and I invited girls from the US all of them were like super stoked to come even though like I couldn't pay them enough to cover their flight expenses and so that they make some some extra because the flight was so expensive but they were happy to come anyway then I just thought that maybe it's not quite fair because even if the model is really excited to travel but she doesn't get paid because all of her payment is going to cover her expenses it's just like it's just not fair I know it as a model and so I decided that maybe it's better to choose European models that is much cheaper to flight and then those girls are getting well paid and they're motivated and they're like responsible and they're grateful. They're grateful because not only they're having fun, but they're also making money. And so I choose models um, by not just the looks, but also the character. And they have to be like easygoing and fun and just interesting and creative because 
at this kind of events, I think a model has to give more than just her own beauty and her own presence. Sometimes it's like plain dress up and coming up with ideas and just like seeing spots. Because like when, when you're in a beautiful Sicilian villa, it's almost like you're overwhelmed because you could shoot in every corner and you're like, okay, what do I do? Like, where do I start? And sometimes model gives you the solution because she's like, okay, I'm dressed like this. Let's try this. So I'm looking for those kind of models that always come up with ideas and they're creative and collaborative. Along that line, I have a question that I've asked before other models as well is the, Oftentimes we hear the story of uh, an artist having their muse. So, that, so mm. an artist chooses one model that they work with on and on and on throughout their career. Do you have a photographer who you feel brings out that sort of musy quality for you? <laughs> I, I like. I don't want to be like. I think that many photographers called me that way. That I'm sort of like a muse because when I used to model. I also, I felt like I could sense what photographer wants and I would try to deliver. Like I would feel the mood and it's almost like, it's difficult to explain, but it's something about the person, about like sensing the aesthetics and then also like hearing the music that he plays in the studio and seeing like the surrounding that he brought me to and like putting all those things together. But it's like not, you know, it's not an intellectual process. It's more like a very intuitive process. And then it just like start moving and like conveying emotions in that direction. And photographers would say that like, oh, you, you got it perfectly like perfectly well and you know they, they would call me a muse <laughs> and I thought that was fascinating like and I even now that I don't work with photographers anymore but I love inspiring people and I love like sparking that creative energy in them so <laughs> and so now you're working more with your self-portraiture mm-hmm so what brought that on? I mean, not every model feels the great need to turn the camera on themselves. Yeah, I guess it's just like a continuation of my self-exploration, I guess. I always considered modeling when I was doing modeling as a way of like self-expression. And it was a creative process for me too. So it was, it, I wasn't just like blindly participating in other people's projects. I would bring a lot of myself into the shoots that I take part. And it was just sort of like natural evolvement. And I just, I just felt the need to try and do it myself. And I felt like with myself, I could be more honest I stopped wearing makeup. I was not scared that, you know, the shots that I'm going to take would be not good enough or I'm not going to, they're not going to be flattering or whatever. I could just like do the craziest things and not be afraid that somebody's going to see it. And it was so liberating to work 
only with myself where I can be just like a total freak and I could let myself be ugly if I had to <laughs> or silly or clumsy. And, and then also because I was the one in control. It was, yeah, it was like a natural transition. Yeah, there's a huge difference between when the client is somebody else and the client is yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I felt like with modeling, I, I kind of got a little bored because oftentimes photographers would always want the same look, the same thing that I already did many times. And that's why they hired me because they saw pictures in my portfolio and they wanted that. And I felt kind of like trapped in this circle of like just traveling over and over again, doing the same thing. And I was not like, I was not growing. And I guess self-portraiture gave me that like fresh, mm, I don't know, fresh breath, <laughs> breath of air. <laughs> and I could try something different. And right now, like I looked around online for you, you have your website, which has both your self-portraiture and then it also, I believe, has some works that you've modeled for other artists. Mm -hmm. And then also other photography you've done for other <laughs> people. So it's like just straight up sort of being a commercial photographer. Mm -hmm. And then you have social media where you have two, I think I only saw two different profiles. Do you only have two profiles? Yeah. Okay. One as a still as a model and then one as a photographer. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a lot of work to juggle around. Like how can you... <laughs> figure out what goes where and how to how people are defining you because of all these different sort of um, aspects of your, your career i do have some clients uh, i i work as a photographer and so i want to separate that but also all of my self-portraiture i feel i feel weird to put in my photographer's profile so i keep it in my modeling profile <laughs> But I actually do a lot of things. And I, at first, I thought that maybe I should concentrate on one thing and just like put all my energy into one thing. But then I got like, who cares? If I'm, if I'm curious about all these things, if I want to do photography, if I want to do self-portraiture, I'm also doing a lot of painting. And lately I got into sculpting. And I also do, I work on ceramics. I saw the ceramics on your on your um, Instagram yeah. feed, yes. And like, I, you know, and I love dancing. I love like creative expression. And I, sh I don't think that one should limit oneself by just one thing like in our you know nowadays you don't have to be just one thing and um, you can be anything and also i noticed that for example the better you sculpt the better you paint if you can paint something you can probably sculpt it and then if you're good at painting and uh, creating composition on canvas it dramatically improves your photography skills. It's like, you know, like this cross, how to say, what, what is it? <laughs> I would say cross-contamination, but that's not correct. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, what's but, in my mind right yeah, now. Yeah, you, you got the idea. I think it just like, you know, doing different things gives you fresh inspiration when you come back to photography. Or it's like... And I, and I love, I love all of that. My concern with this podcast is, is being creative. I don't feel like is the problem. Mm 
everybody who is creative will be creative. The problem I find with most creative people is that we are horrible business people. So the, the concern that I always wonder about is basically like, how do we make livings from our creativity? Mm -hmm. So, so directly for you, the question would be, so like, have you, uh, outside of being a model, have you found any financial success in any of these other endeavors? You said you have some clients for photography. <laughs> yeah, I do have clients for photography and I do sell workshops sometimes when they happen. And sometimes I sell uh, my prints uh, like from my photography and my, from like mostly my self-portraiture actually. And uh, sometimes I shoot sets for uh, references for artists. Last month, I got a few orders from artists to shoot like, you know, sets of photographs that they could use like in high resolution to paint from. <laughs> but to me, I don't know, maybe I'm like, I have a weird view on financial aspect of life. But I feel like I always had enough to do what I want to do. Oh, and that's magnificent. Yeah, but like maybe to some it would be stressful because they would worry too much about the future and like they would worry that they don't have enough savings or that they can't, can't afford to like buy property or something. And they would, but then you have to like sort of decide what do you want to what what do you want like do you want to make a lot of money and buy property or you want to live happily and create every day <laughs> i just sort of like this is what i want to do i want to create every day those are not mutually exclusive though <laughs> you can do both true true but it's always about your deep inner dream like what do you really want what is really your priority okay so what's your dream life like moving forward i mean you've gone through a couple iterations of different uh, careers as you're going forward so what's if you're looking forward what's your dream i just want to keep creating i want to connect even deeper with myself because the deeper you connect to your soul, the better art you create and the more honest art you create. That's my goal, just to sort of like go deeper and just continue doing what I love most. And I just love creating. <laughs> Thanks. I'm all for it. I support you 100% on all of the things you're saying. My difficulty is, is that, of course, we still need to pay rent and pay our bills and eat and do all these other things. So like we, we do have to find a way to balance that. <laughs> Somehow it always happens. Somehow I always make enough to pay my rent, to feed myself and to buy art supplies and to even travel if I really wanted to travel. I'm not making a lot of money, but it's, I don't know. It's it's been weird, but through my entire life, like it's not that I had any financial support from my parents or from anybody else, but like I feel like I always made just enough to do exactly what I want at a, at my own comfort, like without really sacrificing anything. Actually, you brought up something that I 
wonder about how did your family feel about you doing nude modeling? It's weird. It's like, it's a little weird because my family is both proud of me and a little bit like, uh, like it's kind of, <laughs> I don't even know. I wouldn't say like they're embarrassed, but because mostly they're proud, especially now, especially now that I, I myself am more convinced in what I'm doing. That is a good thing. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Like I'm not doing anything wrong. And I feel like my family can sense that. And I'm very much supported, even if they're not saying it, like I can feel it. No, but uh, also, I mean, some of them do say that, like, but for example, my dad never comments. He sees all of my work that I put online, but we barely ever talk about it. And then I get a lot of support from my brother, for example. And he says that my recent work was really beautiful and I don't know. But my mom had a huge self-portrait that I made. Uh, it was like actually a collage. It was printed on a canvas and she had it in her bedroom. And uh, I was topless there. But the picture itself was incredibly artistic and I still love it. And I'm, I'm proud of that piece of work. There's like a big difference between presenting myself like for a woman to present herself as a sort of like sexual object and to like use her body to to create like an artistic piece of work that is about femininity and humanity and grace and just sort of like universal beauty and you know it's like a, it's the, there's a big difference and some people just don't see it but it doesn't matter that <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't mean that it it's not there the difference no need to be defensive i'm not attacking you or questioning oh i'm not, not I'm, I'm sorry if i sounded that way i always wonder about like being a i wonder about being any form of model but certainly a nude model did it ever affect any of your personal relationships boyfriends girlfriends i don't know how you swing i'm not going to make any judgments <laughs> on that i'm i'm heterosexual i nope no, it never affected any my any of my relationships. Maybe there was like a little bit of jealousy, but most not not even because of the work that I put out there, but maybe because of the attention that I was getting or because I had to like work with a lot of male photographers. Maybe there was like a little bit of jealousy, but like nothing dramatic, like I never Nobody ever broke up with me because of what I was doing. Yeah, like now that I'm single and I'm back back to Ukraine, for like a moment, I started like doubting myself. And I was like, whoa, maybe because of what I'm doing, nobody would <laughs> nobody would consider me as a, you know, like a good good match because like I I guarantee you there are plenty of men who are perfectly comfortable with themselves <laughs> enough to be able to be with a strong, confident woman like that. <laughs> yeah, I got to conclusion that, you know, if a guy that would judge, if, would, if he would not see 
past the nudity if he could if he would not be able to understand what's inside my work like what what's there what i present to the world then i don't really need that kind of man in my life anyways absolutely well i mean along that i always i'm always wondering well not always but i do wonder how is it comfortable for you or do you have any sort of anxieties or concerns about putting your your images of your body nude out into the world i i would be horribly self-conscious about that <laughs> at all times like uh, no question so the fact that you sort of made a career out of it to me it feels incredibly scary <laughs> you know i started uh, more than 10 years ago and i was like a completely different person back then different kinds of things were motivating me back then i think that maybe when i started i was sort of like just curious and i and it was like i was maybe even a little crazy and it's just like it was like a whole different mentality that i was in and then i felt like i wanted to be beautiful i wanted to be seen as beautiful and it was like, I think when I was starting out, it was very much for my ego. Like I, I wanted everybody to see how beautiful I am. And I wanted to like, I don't know, to be a model, whatever that means. And then something changed because I had enough of that. I had enough attention and compliments and whatever. And I could like feel that there is actually a way to, to create something, to convey, to that there is like a big difference of a picture of a beautiful girl and a picture that actually tells something. And it may include a beautiful girl or maybe a girl that is distressed or like maybe, you know, crying or whatever. And maybe it's even like a stronger image than just a picture of a beautiful girl. And I was trying to do more of that. And that's where my whole like creative journey has started. <laughs> and now like when I'm putting myself out there, it's definitely not because I want the world to see how beautiful I am and to like collect compliments or like attention or whatever. It's more about, well, nudity to me at this point is about vulnerability and sensibility and presenting my own raw emotions without any cover because like that's sort of like the symbolism of it i'm there i'm here i'm open i'm honest i'm raw and i'm alive <laughs> to me my recent self-portrait work is about a strong female voice on her own sensibility and vulnerability and her own strength. You brought up vulnerability. And for me, I also do figurative work uh, as a, an artist. And so I often use the word vulnerability. And I wonder how that translates because I may not say the word vulnerable to a model when I'm working with them, but then when I finish the image, it's, it's intention is vulnerability. 
So, which leads me back to the question of like, when you're working collaboratively with a, an artist, so I don't care if it's painter or photographer, whatever, sort of how much do you want them to share with you as far as what they want and how much do you feel is sort of necessary to make it so that the, sh the shoot or the work goes better? Mm -hmm. As much as possible, I would say. But as I said, I, I don't model anymore, but back when I did, I would prefer to establish like a strong connection with a person that I'm collaborating with. I want to see his other work. I want to see what inspires him. I want, I want to know like what kind of movies he likes. I want to know like what kind of music he listens to. Like it's, I mean, it's better really because like then I can sort of get on his wave length <laughs> and I can deliver I can feel the aesthetics that he's dreaming about when, when I'm planning a photo shoot I'll often make a, a musical playlist to, mm -hmm. about the mood of the thing to play during the shoot so that it sort of keeps both myself in that mood as well as everybody participating in, mm -hmm. in the, that sort of aesthetic mood yeah. I get it I'm on board with you don't worry about it <laughs> All right. When it comes to your self portrait, so like why, you know, for all practical purposes, if you're turning to working more with a camera, you could choose any topic in the world. So why have you chosen to focus on self portraiture? Well, I do a lot of uh, photo shoots with other people as well, but self portrait work is um, the most personal because maybe I, can experiment so much like I can just go wild and sometimes I have like very weird crazy ideas that I don't even want to tell to anyone and until I try them out myself <laughs> because sometimes they involve like jumping and falling <laughs> to create an effect of like a flying you know lev levitating body or sometimes I like have to really like balance with like a, one side of my butt on a chair as if I'm like hanging up in the air or sometimes I have like I want to make like a really weird collage that I'm not sure if it's going to work or not until I try it so it's like for me it's very convenient to use myself because I have no responsibility. <laughs> if it doesn't work out, I can just like throw it away and nobody's ever going to know about it. But like when I work with another person, I have to sort of be more sure that I actually can create something that they would also like. Because sometimes there are people who are willing to experiment and try new things, but I can only let it go this this far <laughs> and then like all the crazy experiments i leave just for myself oh yeah i've had those photo shoots where i try something brand new and it's just an utter failure and you end up just you can't even give it to anybody because it's so bad <laughs> but you have the luxury of sort of doing it with yourself so yeah it's no no, no money expenditures no anything like that it's just you know you try something out mm-hmm I don't know, but it's also, as I said, it's very therapeutic 
to photograph myself, to just take that alone time when it's just me and the camera. And sometimes it's frustrating and sometimes it's like technically difficult and like a lot of things just go out of order and you know like I just go run back and forth to see if it works or not if the camera is in focus or not but this time that I take with myself and the emotions that I express when nobody else sees and just what comes out of it is sort of like almost like you know you're going through your subconsciousness i don't know it's some it's interesting oh no that's exactly what you're doing just so you know <laughs> yeah yeah i mean all self-portrait i mean all photographs tell as much about the photographer as they do about the subject so of course when you are both the photographer and the subject it is all about you yeah yeah well but keep in mind the podcast is really about how to navigate the art world i hate to use the word successfully but successfully like so like how to be successful in it uh, it sounds to me like you've done some things where basically over the course of your career you have made connections and networks with people throughout your life who have then continued to influence you so like as a model in the United States, you met a bunch of photographers, then you turn around and create, became an event planner and brought some of those people over. So like those kinds of networks and connections seem to benefit your career. Yeah, but as I said, also like a bunch of new people come to my events and now I have like more than a hundred emails on my email list, uh, you know, potential clients for my events. Uh, so I sort of like, grew a community of those who might be interested to participate and then i don't know like do you want me to tell more about like uh, financial side of my work <laughs> is that what you're saying sure if you if you're willing and able to share that kind of stuff i mean okay when it comes to workshops, I'm often wondered, like, does it really make a lot of money? Are they, are they, I mean, I know they're fun. They're interesting. They're in, you know, the, in the end, when it's all done, everybody has, has had a good time and they've learned something and experienced something and all that. But is it really that financially beneficial? Like, do you actually walk away with enough to have paid off, paid everybody a good wage, paid all the salaries, all the, the rooms and the travel and everything, and then walk away and go, okay, that was financially successful? I had a, a few events that were very financially successful. And I had a few events where I barely covered all of the expenses because like somebody canceled last minute and I had like a few expenses that were not predicted and uh, what, whatever else. So it's, it's a very risky business, definitely. And it seems like it's so easy because it's just like a couple of days and you're having fun and you're just like, you know, going to a fun locations, but it involves like so much preparation and you have to plan like half a year in advance and you spend like so much time online scouting and looking for models and talking to photographers and marketing and like all this and that. So it's definitely like not the most profitable <laughs> business. 
<laughs> but it's yeah. Well, it could be. I, I mean, if you can sort of break it down. I mean, if and you did it enough, and you had a good, you know, built a good reputation on it, and things like. I mean, I could see how it could be a very profitable, profitable industry for sure. But it takes a certain type of person to do those kinds of things because, like, to be able to plan and think through all the logistics and all the potentialities and all the plan B's and all the these kinds of things, that is very difficult and time-consuming and not everybody has that those skills. Yeah. And also, like, if you want to throw an event in a new location, you have to first go and – scout and like check it out and you know like it's also an investment every every time that i throw an event in a new location i make an investment of traveling there and spending like a week or so and meeting people and like sometimes it doesn't work out like there were a few few times that i went to a location and spent like whatever money that it took me to to go there and to like stay overnight and whatever and then like I felt like it's not the right place to to throw an event but yeah I mean also like the other thing with uh, with events is that these days so many people started doing it and I feel like market is getting like more and more saturated and yes I do have my like loyal customers that I know that they would always come to my events if I if I throw another one. And like I also have like a lot of customers that come back to the same event. Like I've had what four or five events in Sicily. More than five people came back for the second time just because they loved it so much. Almost all of the guys who came to Morocco already did one in Sicily and because they liked it they they are like and and they and they tell me that whenever I do something else they're like they're on board they're going to be there because they like they love the level I guess that I provide but as I said like now everything is a little bit on pause because of the pandemics and uh you know people can't travel and uh, I hope it's gonna pass soon and we can go back to it one thing also that i wonder about is social media uh i'm a big i have huge interest in it it seems like it's incredibly popular of course and we have to use it you know so whether as a photographer as a model as an event planner like it's it's a necessary evil that we all have to do so like how much time and energy do you put into working on social media i think that lately I sort of changed my perspective about social media. I think that before I was sort of treating it as necessary evil <laughs> and I would always like take breaks and I would get annoyed and I would like complain that it like steals so much of my time and like consume so much of my energy. But lately I sort of like, became grateful all of a sudden for this community that it allows me to connect to and for all these friends that I made through Instagram, for example. And it's like, actually, if you look at it, it's such an incredible platform. And maybe it was because of the this whole isolation that we went through. But thanks to Instagram, 
we could be all connected and we could just see what everybody's up to and we could share our art and we could be supported by our community. I was definitely supported and through like the past couple of months, a lot of people bought my work in prints, like as prints and a lot of artists reached out with a desire to, to collaborate with me. Sometimes like when I put out like a personal piece of work and I write something from my heart, I receive a lot of feedback and people write very genuine messages to me that something that I posted really touched them and inspired them and moved them. And that is priceless. And how else would that be possible if it wasn't for social media? So to me, I'm not like, you know, I'm not treating it as a, as that evil anymore. I'm actually so grateful to it. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know, lately, I feel like I made a promise to myself that if I put something out on social media, it's going to be out from my heart. Like, I'm not going to do it just for marketing or just to like attract people for like, I'm not going to calculate the right time when to post so that the engagement gets higher. I'm not going to like make a post just so that it, whatever, sparks a conversation so that there are more comments under my post or anything like that. I want to be completely honest and I want real connections and you know, soulful interactions. I want to connect with like-minded people and this platform can actually do that. And it, I've been doing that successfully and it's like actually incredible when you are being honest, you receive the same kind of like genuine response. And that's amazing. I look forward to, to the day when I get past my, my evil part of social media <laughs> and transcend it to your your thought pattern because yeah it is great in many ways and i just haven't figured it out because i'm still stuck in the what time of day to get the most <laughs> like it's like i it, because i want to figure things out like that's the thing is like if you could i wish there was like a spreadsheet that would just tell me like okay if you're posting this kind of topic this type of this time of day is the best time of day when most people will appreciate whatever topic <laughs> i can't figure it out nobody can give me that spreadsheet and so like i'm stuck with this you know because i've got a little bit of like ocd and i sort of want i want a little bit of a structure like give me give me some structure and then i'll you know build my own creativity and freedom beyond that but i want i need that little bit of structure to just guide it to start it off to allow for the the, the absurd things to happen past mm -hmm. that but i can't find that structure it is that the algorithms that go behind all that is just it's just so exacerbating to me. Like it's so annoying. Yeah. That's my rant. <laughs> yeah. I can't hear you, <laughs> but hopefully we can all get past that at some point. Yeah. All right. Back to your self portrait work. All right. <laughs> How long have you been focusing on doing the self portrait work? I think uh, it's been like four years now maybe five, something like that. 
on and off though. <laughs> so to me, you're still like you're, you would be defined as an emerging artist in that vein. So you're still sort of young to it. So have you tried to do any sort of, how have you been trying to get the work out to the world? So obviously you've used social media. Have you done any competitions? Have you done, um, you know, um, what's that one called? Saatchi or Artsy or any sort of things trying to sell prints or like how have you been sort of forwarding your career as a an emerging artist? To be honest, I've been doing it for quite some time, but only recently I actually committed to this proud <laughs> name title, proud title of an artist because for a very long time, I did not consider myself an artist. And I was like, sort of like hiding because all of this other titles that I thought were more appropriate or maybe like less responsible. <laughs> I was calling myself, uh, you know, commercial photographer or event organizer or whatever else. and. Actually, right before, like right during this quarantine where my event got canceled and there was no commercial work and I got stuck with no jobs, nothing else to do. And at first I was panicking, but then I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to do what I want. What do I want? I want to make art. And it just like sort of got it back on track with my personal projects and it just hit me all of a sudden. I just realized that this is actually what I want to do. And I know that if I put all my energy into it and all my attention, I'm not going to postpone it for when I'm done with my commercial work or for when I'm done with all my other daily whatever course. No, if I make it a priority, I actually can succeed in it and it can give me enough to to live the life that I want to live. So I think that as an artist, you said that I'm an emerging artist. Yeah, because I consider myself an artist for like maybe a month. <laughs> like on like when I actually can say it out loud that yeah, I am an artist. So I'm a very very emerging artist. And I have not participated in any competitions. I did not try to have an exhibition because I never really take my, took myself seriously. I was always sort of like a little bit shy and just like, oh, well, it's not, you know, not really a big deal. I'm just playing around. I'm not like, you know, I'm not trying to make anything like significant here. I'm just, you know with the camera just you know <laughs> having fun nothing no big deal don't take me seriously <laughs> now that i realize that this is actually what i want to do and it doesn't mean that i have to be incredible i have to be like amazing no i i can be an artist in my own like process in my own journey like in a, at a certain stage of my journey and maybe my skills are not the best yet and maybe I have not created my best work yet but this is the path that I have chosen for myself and I'm just 
keep going forward and moving on. So it's, it's fine to be an artist. <laughs> I've been photographing myself for about five years, but I was doing it in between of whatever else I was doing. So sometimes I would go for like half a year without shooting anything at all of my like personal creative work, maybe even longer than that. So like, because I had other priorities and other like titles that I came up for myself. And only recently I realized that what I want to make a priority is actually my own personal work. And so yeah, it only happened recently and it does not exclude like all of the work that I've done before, but only now I sort of, I myself started to take myself seriously. It's great. I mean, I did it to myself as well in my career. I went in, into academia and so I defined myself as a professor for 15 years. And now all of a sudden I'm not doing full-time teaching. And so now I'm like, well, wait a minute. The reason for teaching was so that I could have the freedom and the time to make my art. So now I'm just going to be an artist. Like mm -hmm. That's what I'm going to do. And then within that, I then said, well, but wait, there's a lot of stuff I don't know still. So that's how the podcast came around because basically I don't know a lot. So I thought what better way to learn than to literally have the opportunity to ask people. Mm -hmm. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So why do you why do you invite like uh, models? What do you learn from models? I've realized through all my conversations that while artists often sit down and think that we're this romantic idea of us just going in the studio, we make our work and then we put it out in the world and the world just goes, oh, it's magnificent. We love your work. <laughs> that it actually is a huge organism, a uh, community tribe, whatever you want to call it, that are all interdependent on each other. So like an artist, no matter how great they are, unless they connect with a curator or an editor or a publisher or a gallerist or a collector, it's not going to get to the public. It's not going to get to the people that want or need to see the work. And in the same way, models are part of that whole sort of organism because like if a model doesn't connect with a painter or a sculptor or a photographer or a videographer for that matter and and become part of that entire process then it sometimes it can break down so mm -hmm. to me they're an integral part of it in the same way that quality materials a good paint or like i would love to talk to somebody who makes paint and i'd love to talk to people who build cameras kind of thing because they're all part of the entire ecosystem that is the entire industry because there are many photographers who probably could make better work if they had better relationships with models <laughs> that's true and vice versa i think there are many models that could make better works with better relationships with artists yeah. So it's the, all that sort of interconnectedness kind of thing between the entire industry that I'm starting to see is more and more important. Mm -hmm. Because if I go back to my own career, in my early days, I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have a lot of opportunities. I was living in the middle of nowhere in the United States. And so I didn't have professional models to work with. And so like 
my the the outcome was not as let's say a professional quality as it could have been had i had those opportunities so even just the nature of learning that if i want to make amazing work sometimes what you do is you go over your level so like if i'm a emerging photographer i might want to get a mid-career model so a model that will push me to do better because if i get a model that's not as good as me let's say or has less experience than me that's not going to elevate the work Mm -hmm. so i feel like they're part of the an integral part of the entire process of the whole thing yeah it makes sense it's like I, the approach that I have in life is very intuitive. And <laughs> it's like I always just go wherever my heart takes me. And it's not that I'm like, maybe it sounds a little bit like a hippie or something. <laughs> but I actually, <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. But it's not like I have no money at all. Like I have savings. I've been making money through modeling and events and, you know, my personal commercial photography work and through my personal creative work, through like all those kind of sources. And some somehow I made it work, but I never put like a lot of thought into how exactly I'm going to make it work or how should I make it work better. <laughs> it's like, I'm, yeah, I guess maybe I'm too um, artistically inclined for that. <laughs> well, but that goes back to the, like my entire idea behind this podcast, which is that artists are generally not very good business people. I proved the point. Oh no, I proved the point every time I come on here because I'm a horrible business person. So like, it's not a you thing. Trust me, it's a me thing. I mean, if I were a good business person, I would be in the studio making art, not recording a podcast. <laughs> but you know, there are priorities in life. Like to me, honestly, having a lot of money is not a priority. I need enough money and different people have like different level of enough. And uh, what's enough to me, it's not like, to me, it's it's good. It's not like uh, I can afford clothes. I can afford traveling and like paying my bills and everything. But I'm never like really driven to have like a lot of money. You know, I'm more driven to have like experiences and to connect to people and to like create something. And I don't know. Oh, yeah. And don't get me wrong. My idea of like success, and I'm putting this in air quotes here for the listeners, is not being rich. It's success, you know, has my definition of it has evolved over the years, which basically at this point, it's having enough money to do what I want to do without having to worry about money. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's successful to me. Like, if you have, if you can get a a a career that makes it so you have enough stability in having enough money to do what you want to do and not have to worry about money, then you have a pretty good life going. Yeah, I guess it also depends very much on where you live. And I lived in different parts of the world. Well, New York compared to Malta. Uh, or Milan 
or Ukraine. It's like every place is completely different. And that's why to me, my perception of money is like very, okay, everything is very relevant. Like what's big amount of money here in Ukraine is nothing when you're in New York. It just like, it changes completely. You have different needs, you have different expenses. And so everything is just like so, so relevant. Oh yeah, I, I grew up in Washington D.C. and then I've lived in Iowa and Ohio and in uh, then in Abu Dhabi, which is extremely expensive, almost yeah. as expensive as New York. And then now I'm in Prague. I mean, the amount of income necessary in different parts of the world, it, you know, so it goes back to the idea of like lifestyle choices. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, if you want to be in New York and do the hustle in New York and, and live under that stress and those expenses, great, more power to you. That's fabulous. Right. But a lot of people choose not to do that. And what this is one of those things that, like, I've talked to a lot of artists about this is that. In this day and age, there is almost no reason for you to live in a major metropolitan area to be an artist. That's because true. Of, well, I mean, because of social media, because of FedEx. You know, I mean, there's just, you know, we can ship things all around the world. We can connect with people over the internet. There's literally no reason to have to be in an expensive place to live like we can live in ex cheap places and make great works and ship them around the world right well unless uh it's just like when i decided to live in new york and i lived in new york for almost four years or five years and i was just driven by the whole vibe and it's just like the energy that is in the city when I was in my early 20s this is everything I could dream about I was like constantly hanging out with all these cool people and you know, going to exhibitions and events and concert shows and everything like that and it was just so much energy and at certain point I, I was I just had enough I was like so exhausted and I was like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. <laughs> don't worry about it. I was a drug addict doing cocaine and heroin <laughs> and, and I was a roadie touring around with rock and roll bands doing their lights and their sound. I mean, I know about partying lifestyle and at, in your twenties, which is magnificent. It yeah. is so much fun. And everybody should experience some sort of com complete absurd lifestyle in their youth right and get it out of their system so that they then can sort of figure out what their true path is and their true happiness and joy is kind of thing yeah but oh yeah I, i've done all that stuff i i certainly lived a very interesting 20s for sure <laughs> yeah didn't do it in new york though no not in new york <laughs> well i went up there and bought drugs in new york but that's it <laughs> Yeah, but at this point of my life, I realized that I don't really want to live in a, in a crazy, um, big, noisy city. I actually came back to Ukraine, of all places, which some people maybe not understand, because like a lot of people actually trying to move out from Ukraine and go somewhere else when there are more opportunities. But to me here, I feel so 
comfortable and just like I know everything. I like the energy. I think Ukraine is actually very vibrant and it has like a lot of like, so to say, like youthful energy. Like a lot of people are starting their small businesses and they're they're trying to create something new and it's just like sort of youthful it feels that way especially like comparing to like old europe like for example italy like italy is beautiful it's gorgeous to visit but it has sort of like this very slow energy it's like kind of like for old people i feel like maybe prague is a little bit like that too <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I I'm not f technically from Prague. No, Prague has a mix of it. Like it does because it has UNESCO sites and things that sort of can't change because the heritage is the tourism and all the things that right. really draw people here. But there are a great wealth of young entrepreneurs that are coming up with really great businesses and, and business ideas that are really pushing some things forward. Mm -hmm. However, the architecture is not going to be one of them. They're going to be keeping their historic buildings for sure. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of these countries and cities that still have a lot of growth potential for sure. Yeah. And right now I live in uh, Odessa, which is not a big uh, city. I feel like maybe it's even a little bit provincial in a way, but it's sort of like a perfect size for me at this point because it provides me enough culture and energy if I feel like it but then it's also like quite small and it's by the sea so it's important to me to live by the sea and uh, it's very cheap too well, my, my dream is to live somewhere that is close enough so less than an hour's train ride or whatever from a major metropolitan area so that I can get culture if I want it but I want to live somewhere where if I walk out my front door naked that I see nobody and nobody <laughs> sees me so like I want that much space around me and that much land and that much distance from people. Like I, I do, I'm a bit of a recluse in that way. So <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good dream. One day yeah, we'll see if it works out. Yeah. One day. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. It was, it was great. It was fun. <laughs>